So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Respiratory distress. Just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Building microwave. Semicolon. Uh, distressing definitions of despair. What did we? What are we calling this? Distressing. Terrible definitions of despair. Right. Terrible definitions of despair. Um, <laughs> man, why didn't I do just? Dis- uh, distressing definitions of despair <laughs> but it, let's change it it is now distressing definitions of despair right. um i think the thing about well just dis- distressing and terrible both work in this context because i was thinking um when i was thinking about this topic after we had done uh words with random and we'd ended up with the uh the ridiculous phrase terrible definitions of despair um i i was thinking about this and i was thinking like this could go many ways and one of the ways when i think about terrible is oftentimes i think about um uh like inadequate oh yes Uh, insufficient Insufficient. like terribly you know kind of describing like um you know describing like the covid pandemic as like disappointing or um you know not an ideal situation for this year uh yeah. you know those kinds of just the things that you could say about things that are kind of like you would imagine you're having tea with your grandmother and you're kind of just trying to describe some really awful fucked up shit but you're trying to be very polite about it um yes yeah i mean that was kind of what i had in mind um when i originally <laughs> thought about uh terrible definitions of despair um i uh I also felt like I think I had an inkling sort of like you did when you said terrible yeah. because I, I thought of terrible as like exceptionally deficient. Yes, exactly. Exceptionally <laughs> deficient in their description of what's happening. Yeah. Um, you know, like, um, like what's going on in Minneapolis? Uh, bonfire got a little out of control. Right, right, exactly. Yes. No, I don't think you know what a bonfire <laughs> right. is. <laughs> a lot of widespread social unrest. Like, for sure, you would justifiable yeah, widespread. You would social never unrest. use the word racism, for sure. Um, you would never talk right. about like, you know, like mass human rights violations or just like systemic racism or any of the like mm-hmm. actual issues. You would just kind of be like, ah, I think people got a little out of hand. Mm-hmm. On both sides, which I don't believe. I think that it's a oh fucked up God. situation. Um, yeah, I love how like so like somebody drove a semi truck onto the 35W bridge in a crowd of thousands of people and like miraculously no one died. And Tim Walls on television, our governor, was basically like that motherfucker's lucky no one killed him. Yes. Like he's lucky that crowd of people didn't tear him limb from limb. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, I'm really like when I saw that, I was so glad that no one was hurt. But oh, man. um, Yeah, I it's. It's heartbreaking. So, like, yeah, go ahead. A, an, an, a, a gross understatement, a terrific understatement of that, the severity of that situation. Be like, well, there were some, there were some incidents with pedestrian on the bridge that fell down a bunch of years ago because Minnesota didn't value its infrastructure well enough. 
like way to bury the lead. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> like city in full scale revolt against racism. But you know, it's interesting that bridge that fell the thirty five W bridge when it fell down, like <laughs> um it's crazy that more people didn't die because the whole thing just fell right into the river yeah. and it was a cold river and a lot of rushing water. Um, and it took them forever to rebuild it, but then they rebuilt it like, and they couldn't, the money, oh my God, the money for the bridge the money, the money, money. And then they were taking all these bids and trying to figure out who could do it better and who could do it more efficiently. And then they never put, they never engineered it to be able to put light rail down it, I don't think. Or maybe they did, but they didn't put light rail on it. But anyway, the whole thing was just kind of fucking stupid. And it took like years and years and years to resolve and get a bridge back. And meanwhile, the interstate is completely shut down in that section. But like the U.S. Bank Stadium that you could stand on the roof of and spit and hit the bridge that fell down was like almost a billion dollars to build. And they were like, done in nine months. Right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. I wish the U.S. Bank Stadium would fall into the river i just want to go on record as saying i hate it mm-hmm. i hate the design i hate everything it stands for hate your stupid stadium yeah i i'm not a fan of um I, like sports i enjoy but not watching them and i'm even less i'm very much not a fan of the sports complex um or the sort of i don't know what you the sort of sports industry that the u.s currently uh maintains um, the NFL is a super sexist, racist institution, and I hate it, and I think it should be abolished. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Um, yeah. I, I hate it so much. And that des- the design of that stadium is fucking terrible, since this is a design podcast. It looks like a crash-landed alien spaceship. It's stupid and horrible. <laughs> and really expensive when it gets damaged by shit like hail or... Which, you know, which I mean, thankfully, whatever. Minneapolis doesn't have terrible weather, so it's probably not a big deal. But. Yeah. Yeah, construction. There's always already been like tremendous leaks, you know. Yeah. And contrasted with the Twin Stadium, the Target Field Twin Stadium, which is an engineering marvel, is gorgeous and is totally appropriate for use and population. Like everything about that is amazing and wonderful. It collects um, excess rainwater and it. Uh, you know, um, sequesters it and they use that to water the fields and keep the fields live all year round. And they heat the fields using steam that comes from the power plant next door that uses steam energy and turbines and da, 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 da. And it has scrubbers on it. So when it like uses, when it burns garbage, essentially to turn the steam turbines, to heat all the stuff with the water that they collect from the runoff from the stadium to keep the greens. It's just like this little closed system and it, is like a a beautiful work of art. I love that building and it's the opposite. It's the antithesis of the terrible definition of an NFL stadium <laughs> that makes me despair on the opposite side of town. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that thing sucks. I love USB. I, I feel like you need to use the term eyesore. I have never actually seen it, um, but it's, really weird so there's an there's an old highway um that runs through saint anthony where (laughs) philando castile was shot which is that's why you might have heard that name since context right Uh anyway um he was uh i'm looking at a photo of the u.s bank stadium it's awful anyway so the u.s bank stadium like is positioned on the east side of downtown where the metrodome used to be and 
you can see it very clearly from 35W, but you can also see it really clearly from... Um, uh, uh, old Highway 80 or 88, maybe. Anyway, it's a highway that runs through St. Anthony. And it's like this building that's a very strange geometric shape. It's pretty smooth on the outside. It's not like, obviously, it's a stadium, so it's kind of like ovoid. Yeah. It look, And then it's got this weird angular roof line that juts off in one direction. And so it looks like something that's meant to sit level that's kind of like crashed and sunken in on one end uh-huh. accidentally. It looks like a giant black glass yeah, I'm looking, alien spaceship it, that's it, crashed into the planet and it's like teetering on its side. It's just... I don't know. Someday someone's going to be like, that was an unfortunate era of design. So, yeah, it's going to be in like, remember when we used to build dumb, big stuff without thinking about it all the time? Uh huh. Yeah, that one. It's, you know, so it, I, it's not, it's not graceful or beautiful. It, at best, the things you could say about it are sort of like, sort of retro futuristic angular sharpness. Yeah, it's really weird. It kind of reminds me, okay, like, you know, Giger's aliens, like H. Giger's uh-huh, aliens, H.R. Yes. Giger, who, it's kind, it kind of reminds me of that futuristic, like, volcanic black glass sort of yeah. alien feel, like, very, like, made of otherworldly space materials. It looks very ominous and imposing, and yet... All of the detail work that could have gone into something like Alien that makes it stand out and have a lot of character and personality, all that shit's just been wiped off. It's like a giant glass black blob of a building. Yeah, yeah. That's... With a weird pointy thing sticking out the side. It, like a broken hat. It just looks like a like financially financial maintenance nightmare. It, it Yeah, it totally is. And I think like it's just like this... Bl- I think the whole point of it was to push the upper limits of what is acceptable to spend money on and how big you and gross you can make uh-huh. it. Like, I really think it's just a monument to excess. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. So, yeah. And we don't, like, it's right there. And that's right poised right over the bridge where, back to my original bitch, uh-huh. where uh, a bunch of protesters almost got run over and they were protesting because George Floyd was lynched in the street in Minneapolis recently Murder. and the city's been on fire yeah. and people were protesting that and we'll continue to protest that. But the good news today that I learned, just announced, was that they have increased the charges to second-degree murder and they are charging all four officers involved in the crime, which is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And for this one I mean, time. And you knew they were going to do the right thing eventually, right? I mean, it's not like a big deal. No, that, I don't, <laughs> don't know. think you know what that means. <laughs> oh, wait. I don't think you how, understand sarcasm. How, yeah. <laughs> how many people? I mean, the sad thing is, is it's like there's been so many run ins with just like human violations since then. Just to get like anyone to be like, hey, we're systematically being murdered in the streets by your police force. Right. And the police force does the only thing that it knows how to do, which is respond with violence. It's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. So you make a complaint about violence and they respond with violence, yeah. which just proves the point. Right. Like, and they're just they're, abolish like, the And police. the worst part is they have the fucking like 
they have military gear to do this with. Why do they? This makes no sense to me. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Me either. I mean, the sad thing there is, are... like, when you're kind of when you're sitting here, like, considering using mobilizing military forces against your own population, like, you've got to wonder, like, where you went wrong. Hmm. I mean, I think it's a long time ago. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I, I was talking with Damon. I was talking with Damon about how um, our entire country is founded on a bunch of people. Founded by a bunch of people who were like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Right. And so it doesn't really matter. Like, give me those potato chips. No, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's something super petty or something really, really important. Like, I would like the the right to exist. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, no. no. <laughs> just voracious, oh. aggressive opposition. Yep. Um. And really shitty, shitty root behavior. Oh, God. Yeah. Just despair. Well, actually, I think, like, um, I think um, the only time that I despair is when it looks like there is an intractable problem and there is no progress possible. And, and worse than that, there's no progress because nobody is giving lending credibility to an issue or even seeing a problem as a problem like holy crap at least there's a bunch of people now who are willing to publicly address the fact that there's a major problem instead of pretending there isn't one um which makes me not despair in the slightest yeah like that's actually like thank god you know we're not just pretending like this isn't happening yeah shit's on fire <laughs> the, the house is on fire i house is burning down will you pay attention now right that's that's where we get to oh god but you know let's see when are we going to publish this like a month from now so today when we're talking about this it is june 3rd and y'all probably aren't hearing this until late late june Probably the last week of June, last Thursday of June. Yeah, things could be really turned around at that point. You never know. It might be nice. Things could be very different. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really great organizations. Here's the thing that like, oftentimes I don't hear that I think is really important. A lot of people see what's happening and they see you know, people standing up for their rights and they want to get involved and they want to help. Yeah. And what's really, really important is that... Um, black and brown people, people of color have had how they should do things dictated to them forever and how they should live or not live and how they should die and centering what they think is good for them in the conversation is really important. So if you really want to help seek out an organization that's working to dismantle police, an organization that supports people with less access to human rights in our, in our societies than they should have and find places that, are organized by black and brown and trans and other voices that are usually marginalized and support them, throw your support behind them. Don't run off and start a fucking foundation because you think it's your job to save the world. Right. There's already plenty of people very, very familiar with this problem that you haven't been listening to for a long time. And if you really want to help, you need to listen to them and then wait for them to tell you how you can help and then help them in a way that, serves them not in a way that you think 
you just thought up yesterday because you suddenly started paying attention to a problem you didn't give a shit about yesterday. Yeah. yeah. That's all that's all I'm going to say because beyond that it's not for me to say. So go find an excellent organization run by people who have a stake in the problem and ask them how you can help them. Yeah, and there are a ton being expressed right. I mean, there are a ton getting a you know, a boosted signal as far as social media goes. Um Yeah. And, and at this point because of the timeliness of the the lack of timeliness of addressing this. Yeah, it's you know, it's, we'll just Right. There's nothing we're going to we're going to say or do on here to to middle-aged white people. We don't have much to say on that. I mean, yeah. other than it's fucked up and Yeah, anyway, well, what you said exactly. <laughs> What makes yeah. it do that? Um, yeah. Yep. Do that and do that. Uh, what else? Like um, terrible, distressing definitions of despair. Yes. Um, oh. I was thinking about uh, this idea of um, like this kind of fits in there with the idea of like teamwork where basically you have a small group of like fairly harmless individuals when they're working together that like the unending avalanche of destruction that they can unleash through teamwork <laughs> is just, yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like you kind of take a lot of things. It's like, Oh, through teamwork, like look at what we can accomplish. Yes. And sometimes those things are awful. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, if you want to just kind of keep talking about the, the fucked up shit going on in, uh, in Minneapolis, like, you can just look at the teamwork of the, if you look at the police force as a team working together and they're, you know, the right tools, they're devastating a population like systematically. Um, yes. So good job. I, yeah, great way to go. Way to be the best at being the worst of something. <laughs> like here's a, here's a disappointing or a, a despairing, uh, disparaging and disappointing, uh, definition of despair is that uh, you could define that you could define the police force in Minneapolis as a as an example of what can be accomplished with focused teamwork and funding. <laughs> How fucked up is that? Oh, that's so true. Yeah. So here's a here's a thing. Um, you and I were having a conversation with our executive assistant Dana. Yes about the um god i it just slipped my mind now what i was gonna say oh about the fund the financial fund um that's appropriated in the state of minnesota um to buy off people and settle out of court who have complaints that hinge on police brutality and excessive use of force yeah and that fund is so so our police force in minneapolis and even in greater minnesota i there's just such a entrenched racism and like white superiority and um built in and it's true of policing everywhere the police are there to protect white property and property rights and white rights and so the the entire concept of policing is is built foundationally on racism uh, and in institutionalizing it and um, taking action on it. So like, uh, and I should say MPD one five zero dot org 
MPD one five zero or sorry dot com MPD one five zero dot com is the People's Project of Evaluating Policing, and it's it's a report that um, covers Minneapolis police. If you're interested in like the issue of excessive use of force in policing, and is policing even necessary, and why do we even have police? Anyway, like all that stuff. Um, so we were talking about our you know, how what uh, what I'm used to seeing where I grew up and live is that. It's a foregone conclusion that there will be police violence against innocent people. And so because this is a given that we're willing to accept prima facie and live and operate with, we have a massive financial fund to settle out of court any complaints against police officers about excessive use of force and um, police brutality. And that fund is so critical to the way that we operate that it is underwritten by an insurance policy for $450 million. That insurance is underwritten by secondary insurance. So it's insured twice over to make sure that that money is there to pay out to people rather than run expensive investigative trials, jury trials, grand jury trials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like from minute one, day one, it's already a foregone conclusion that, we're going to have to buy off people to the tune of millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's so f- because it's so expected that the police are just going to that's such a like kill people. Fucked up situation. It's like we're. I know. The solution to this is we'll just make sure there's enough money to make reparations or sweep it under the rug. Essentially, like it's not even yeah. a, like a true reparation is like okay, we're not going to do that anymore. And of course, there's a no, there's the whole idea that we're operating he- on here is that the police have, um, the police are granted extra privileges to behave in certain ways that are unacceptable for the general population, and they're granted the permission to do that implicitly because they are there to make sure that things stay in line, right? Which is the this is the the stupid argument. Um, but instead of taking that and acting responsibly, it's weaponized and used as a way to get away with lots of really bad behavior. And I can just imagine if I was complaining, if I filed a complaint about excessive use of force and the police knew that they had such a, bad angle that they needed to buy me out without it going to court because they would lose in court and that is threatening enough to buy me off i don't know that i don't even know that i'd have the courage to file a complaint against the police in the first place but if they came back and offered me a large sum of money to shut up about it and i said no i would really really feel probably very paranoid about what yeah, was going to happen to, to me I, after that you point you read these articles about these people <clears throat> who um I was just reading that article about the guy who filmed, um, what was his name? Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, it it does matter. I'm, I'm ashamed. I don't remember his name, but I was reading it this morning and he was basically, uh, he filmed his friend being murdered by the police. And then he himself was targeted by the police as, as was arrested and put in jail. And he's still like, he's just getting out of jail now. Mm. And the whole time he was in jail, like they tried to poison him with rat poison and all this other fucked up shit. My God. And that's not like, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like you take the money, not because you have some moral standing, but because you want to survive. Right. 
you know. What are you going to? You're already trying to get the cops in trouble. Like, what? What? How? how there? It's not. It's absurd. It's absolute nonsense to not expect some kind of retaliation, untraceable retaliation. Un, un you know what I mean? Yes. Like yeah. you're going to come out and find your dog dead in your front yard or something. I don't know. But I, it would be something. It wouldn't just be like, well, this is really, really inconvenient for us, but we're going to let this one go without a fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know that man's I mean? name was uh, Ramsey Orta. He was, um, he filmed er- Eric Garner's death in New York. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So he, um, yeah, he was arrested God. and put in jail and had a fucking miserable time. It's really terrible when you see how people are treated over and over and over again in such similar ways. And it's just anyone who's saying that there is no such thing as institutionalized racism is like, it's an industrial process at this point. Yeah. It's so repetitive. It's It's become like a factory output. It's, it's absolutely unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. And I mean, if the thing that makes me convinced that um, the the whole concept of policing needs to be dismantled is the fact that it supports um, super racist institutions and is a huge contributor to it's a, it's the basis for the the prison industrial complex, which is modern slavery. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's really the sad. whole idea. Yeah, and it picked up right after slavery was outlawed. And so, essentially, you have transferred the means of controlling a very specific group of people, black Americans, by, instead of enslaving them outright, by labeling what they do as unlawful and then arresting them for it and putting them in prison where they lose the rights to vote. And so now you are less than a citizen of the country vested with full rights of citizenship and that, and then you do a bunch of unpaid labor and you are now a slave again. Like there's no difference, no difference. And I, when I started to get, uh, when I was started to become aware of the prison industrial complex about 15 years ago or so, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit longer now, it all just became really clear to me really quickly, like how it, how this all works. Um, from start to finish and how it's just, it didn't change anything. Nobody had to give up any of their, um, racist power structures to enjoy the same benefits, but to claim that they weren't connected to it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, well those people, it, you know, people, the, the very concept that anyone who's in jail deserves to be there because the justice system works and there's no way that it could be biased against certain people or put people there who shouldn't belong there or people who are innocent outright is, is nonsense and babyish. Like, get a, grow up. Right. Grow up. And so the whole thing has been weaponized the entire time. The whole thing is just a massive weapon. Yeah, it's... It's, it's distressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this has been a really interesting year for America. Um or for the U.S. specifically, not to... Oh, man. Um, yeah. It's a lot. A lot has come to light um, for a lot of people. I Yeah. So, well, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, it's. It was funny. I was... Well, funny enough. Ha ha. Funny. No, like, funny because it's a bizarre. distressing definition of despair. Yes. Um, and you have to laugh or you're going to cry. Yeah. So I was talking to my neighbor, Dan, and... Um, 
<laughs> I I said, hey, we're going to be back in the neighborhood in a few weeks. And he said, oh, great. Well, we'll see you soon. Or in other words, you know, 63 years at the current rate of time passage in 2020. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Longest year ever. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I was like, right. I've already, um, you know, like set out a plan for my long-term care when I return to Minnesota oh, since I'll be fucking 89 by the time I ever get back there this summer. Yeah. Uh, well, before we leave the topic of, of um, racism in America, especially like <laughs> the sort of system, systemic destruction of black people or repression of black people, um, I, I yeah. think it's really important to just can't overstate how much if you think racism is not happening in America, like you, I don't know where you are. Um, I know where you are. You are on the wrong side, pal. Yeah, so you are part of the problem. If you can't even admit to seeing a problem. Well, that's, you know, yeah. it's because you can't see your own face. Dum dum. Right. And I'm holding up a mirror and you won't look at it. <laughs> God. Okay, well, uh, yeah, let's keep going with more definitions of despair. Um, um, here's a definition of despair. Yeah. Getting to an amusement park and, like, your roller coasters shut down. Oh, that is so frustrating. I Wouldn't that be terrible? Yeah, I also, this makes me think of that um, when, you were, when you were, like, just a little too short to ride on the fun rides, but you were old <sighs> enough to want to do it. Um, like quite desperately and you were young enough that it was like this was everything to you and um, the just the devastation of like thinking you're going to be mm-hmm. tall enough and then finding out like either the person who's running the ride just decides that they're they're going to enforce this height like real strictly and you're just not tall enough yes. oh heartbreak <clears throat> I mean you and I are the exact same size of course yes. Um, how old were you when they finally realized you were tall enough to ride the big rides? Um, I think so. I, mm, maybe I was like seven, seven or eight. That sounds about right. I, I don't remember exactly. I do remember, um, I remember for me, it was, uh, SeaWorld was kind of the more theme park close to me that we would go to on the regular ah. um and they didn't really have rides the way they have now but they had act, like they had some pretty cool climbing things you could do but you had to be of a certain like height i think or age or something <laughs> um yeah and i do remember i must have been probably like i feel like i was like nine eight nine or ten somewhere in there when i when i got access to that and i was pretty excited but i was also kind of bummed because it was like pretty quickly after that i we you know it wasn't i don't remember we either stopped going or I, something happened but i didn't go very often after that so um yeah anyway yeah how about you uh i was either nine or ten yeah. um you had to be 48 inches tall and i was not 48 inches tall until i was like 10 years old in fourth grade i'm pretty sure uh-huh. and i wanted to go on the corkscrew which is a big roller coaster even though it's not that big compared to roller coasters today sure. but when it was like in 1988 it was massive tight yeah. yeah and so like uh i think that i got to go on the corkscrew in fourth grade and it goes upside down and there's a big hill and a bunch of smaller hills and all the things and oh that's cool anyway uh yeah and i remember like 
I wore glasses, and so it has the older over-the-shoulder like bar that holds you into the seat. So when you go upside down, you don't yes. fall yeah. out. Um, and like that's really those are terrible for people who have to wear glasses, right? Because they kind of scrape across your head a little bit. Well, and they're like on either side of your face. Oh, like there's, yes, there's the sort of like it's like a U-shaped bar yep. that comes down, yep. and the bottom of the U kind of sits over your midsection, mm-hmm. and your head is in between the uprights of the U, and then your shoulders and arms go around the outside of this. You could hug it, I suppose, if you were terrified. Uh-huh. So, funny thing about my family is that um, <clears throat> I am definitely like. Imagine you have a pitcher of risk takiness and you're going to pour that out into like a family of four and you're going to take the pitcher and you're going to pour out four equal portions into four each equal glasses of like risk risk uh tolerance you yeah. know um it's like they got to me and started with me and got distracted and just never stopped pouring yeah. and everybody else in my family got like the splash over of riskiness Uh and so like everyone else in the family hates roller coasters apparently apparently i found out Uh (laughs) all throughout my childhood everybody in my family hated roller coasters they were just going along with it for me (laughs) which i find really hard to believe like i think they're just trying to guilt me over it later But, like, you couldn't have just gone because I was gone. I would have gone without you. Like, why did you come? I didn't need you. I was thrilled. I was off to the races. So, like, I I remember a few times my brother and I went on rides where my brother was, like, like cartoonishly green, Uh you know? (laughs) Like, Like, a really eerie, gross, sallow color and, like, kind of crumpled up like a dead spider and hunched into the corner of the little like roller coaster car you know that we're riding uh-huh. in on the roller coaster and just having a terrible time just always hated it like wanted to love it but hated it every time it was finally like i'm just not gonna do this anymore uh-huh. and you're just like <laughs> Woo! the whole time <laughs> yeah like when i was when i was five we went to disney world because i wanted to go on space mountain and we did and i loved yeah. it and it was fucking terrifying and great and pitch dark in there and that was just like so exciting and wonderful um when <laughs> many years later at valley fair amusement park we um we went out after i think i think it was after labor day when everybody goes but everybody's back in school yeah yeah and we were adults and we had these peach mints called smints you've told me about these yeah and, yeah i don't think did we talk about it on a podcast no, or did we just no, talk I about just, it i remember you telling me about about smints we loved them and the whole idea was we wanted to like get a pavlovian response in ourselves trained in so that every time we had a peach smint we would get an adrenaline uh-huh. rush like you get on a roller coaster so we were taking peach smints and the park was empty so we could just basically get right back on like sometimes we would be on the roller coasters and there's nobody in line so they just like wave at everybody on the car like you guys just want to go again <laughs> and yeah so <clears throat> we went on all of these rides and we went on the tower the power tower wait, wait, so many back up, times back up so what you were sitting around as young adults and you were like what we're gonna do is we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna get on a roller coaster but we're when we get on it we're gonna take peach smints so that when we take them later we'll be reminded yes. of the adrenaline well it'll trigger an adrenaline response in us just by taking the peach smints yes that's exactly correct. that was the that's exactly and right. you guys just okay great so go forward sorry you get there yeah well so we on the power tower like um 
the one you can start off at the ground and then it shoots you up really fast and then kind of like bounces you down. We hate that one. That one's boring and stupid. Yeah. We like the one where you go up to the top and then you're just left there dangling at like 35 stories in the uh-huh. air. Nothing else around. Yeah. Like, oh, is that a thunderstorm with lightning over over yonder? Um, like, we would just hang out up there and eat peach spins and then you would drop uh-huh. like 35 stories at a high speed. Um at some point we had been on the ride so much the game switched from the the preliminary or like the the primary objective which was like this whole peach mint business peach mint adrenaline crack the peach mint adrenaline code and um the the secondary objective became let's see who can not make a face on this ride the longest Uh and so we just went on it over and over again Uh Like, it's the sort of thing where, like, you had tears coming out of your eyes because you're trying not to blink on the way down, and it's, like, streaming from the wind shear, and you're just like, I'm not gonna, it's not like anything's happening right now, what are you talking about? Right, this is fine, everything's fine. Totally casual and stone-faced the entire time, like, nothing's happening, like, you're sitting in a chair going Uh nowhere, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that was a great time at Valley Fair. That's pretty funny. Super That's fun. a, I don't know that I would have ever thought of something like that when I was a kid or when I was in young. the run of the park. Like hyper risky, risk taking, um, state altering. Yeah. Like wrap it all up. I got a guy. I got to take this to go. Yeah. You know. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. So yeah, I mean, I think my brother was a, a risk taker when he was younger, but now he has kids and he has to be a responsible adult, and I don't. Wah, wah. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sending you over to your aunt's house. Uh huh. <clears throat> We're gonna burn stuff in the yard. Yeah. Yep. Burn things. Um, burn. I. That's a great story. I still can't get over the idea that you were just like, did you learn about Pavlovian like responses, and you were like, I know what we're gonna do. I got an idea. Yeah, I think because we had talked about it in like AP Psych. Oh and sure. Okay. In gotcha. Some dumb, yeah, that's great you know, though. Did it work? Yeah. <clears throat> well, and the fucking cruel thing of this is that not long after we did this, they stopped making peach smiths. <laughs> so somewhere out there is a chemical recipe for like like re- reinducing reinducing adrenaline reinducing, for you. Right. Yeah. Ostensibly, it's about fresh breath, but really, it's about the induction of adrenaline <laughs> response in in a very subset of uh, Minnesotans. <laughs> Yeah, and very small sample size of two. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's really great. And there was no control, so right. Yeah, so you don't really have any. Uh, this is a yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> we were here's a here's a form of like brutal despair for you. Uh-huh. Actually, that happened in the same two of them, same water, same amusement park. <clears throat> you know those super tall, super fast, almost vertical slides at the slide water, like in the water yes. park. Uh huh. Watch somebody take a header down one of those ass over tea kettle. You're supposed to cross your arms on your chest and lean back. Yep. (laughs) If you lean forward, you go past the 90 degree mark. Right. You just kind of peel out and do a header off the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. The whole way down. Ambulance, clear the pool, whole deal. What a pain in the ass that was. I'm sure that person was in total despair, if they remember any of it. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure they were. <laughs> first, you know, first thing, I got up there and I sat down in my, my sweaty, I wonder, soggy shorts. And the next thing I know, I'm in a neck brace. I just wonder if they were like what 
like at what moment they were like, oh, this has gone really terribly wrong. Um, Probably almost immediately. Yeah. And then there was just black after yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, the other despair was when my friend Tony and I, the, the peach mint exercise, yes. Tony friend, um, we were standing in line for a, a big wild roller coaster called Wild Thing. <clears throat> big roller co- coaster called Wild Thing. That was hard to say for some reason. And um, this kid was like flicking pennies at the track. Yeah. And when the roller coaster comes out of like the shed house where you all stand in line to actually get in and out of it, uh, board and deboard, when boarding board, board the roller coaster, um, it takes a little dip in elevation. Like it pulls out of the line ride and down the track a little ways. And then it does a hairpin turn and goes click, 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 click up the big, big, big hill at the beginning. So this kid was flicking pennies at the track in the spot right before the hairpin turn before it goes uphill. And as the coasters were going by this one time, like Tony was already irritated by this kid. I was irritated by the kid too. Where are your parents? Uh-huh. You yeah. know? Um, and the coasters come out and there's maybe like, I think there were 16 cars on the big coaster. Cause we sat in all of them that day because we, for science, for science. Yes, obviously. And what we learned is that you get thrown around a lot more in the back and the front is really fun, but it goes like at some points in the track, it goes like 60 miles an hour and the, like your eyes are just like going to, you know, peel out of your skull if you don't have your eyes squinted shut. And we were like, next time we're going to have to bring goggles for this. That's fun. Oh God. So funny. And like our contacts were like suctioned to our eyeballs after that. Like anyway, um, this kid's flicking pennies. The carts pull out the tr- coaster pulls out on the track and it like makes this terrifying clunking sound and everybody and kind of like shifts a little on the track uh-huh. i've never seen this anything like this before everybody on the cars is like ah! uh-huh. and screams and tony like looks at this kid and he goes that's because you're stupid pennies and the kid was like horrified like he looked terrified he you could see that he was just in despair, yes. like waiting for this thing to crash and people are dead everywhere, heads rolling. We didn't disabuse him of this. That notion. We let him think yeah. it. We were just like, it's that's all your fault. These people are going to die and it's all because you're stupid pennies. So you guys psychologically abused a minor. I didn't say anything. Well, I stood by and watched it happen. Right, you're but, a, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, I'm not sure how abusive that is, but uh, that's not for me to say. Well, luckily, nothing happened to any of those people on on that the roller coaster. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I still would love to know what the hell that was, though, because it was like, well, that was not supposed to happen. Although it was clear that it was in no way connected to right, right. The presence or yeah. influence of a penny. Uh-huh. <laughs> a penny wasn't even on the track. It's a round, a cylindrical track, so it's not going to yeah, roll right off if it even hit the ground it. somewhere or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's hilarious. One of my favorite things about that amusement park is they have one of those Viking or like pirate ships that just spins up and down. Yeah. Um, you know, so it goes upside down and just rotates in a circle and swings back and forth and then eventually loops the loop. I love it when like people get on that and they, they don't listen or don't think or a combination and they also don't read. Uh-huh. 
and like you see four or five people's like oh there goes somebody's fucking sunglasses oh, out of their yes. pocket <laughs> oh there's a set of headphones oh i see your baby bag uh-huh. is falling like all the weird crap that gets collected from under the uh-huh. rides I also love seeing people puke. Uh, Despair is sitting behind the person who's puking into a 30 mile an hour. Oh, that is, that is definitely, that's one of the worst experiences. Absolutely. I think, um, there's moments like that, like getting on like a 13 hour international intercontinental flight and like being an hour in and the person either next, like real close to you, just starting to heave from like motion sickness. (laughs) Um, it's not quite as bad because you're less likely to get it on you, but it's still just, it's sort of, it's, it's not ideal. Um, because anything else is like, that's the one thing, you know, that's going to last the whole trip. Motion sickness Mm -hmm. doesn't resolve itself. Like it doesn't resolve itself until you're on solid ground and like, like cool air in your face and breathing, you know, normally and nothing is moving around you. But when you're on a plane, and you're stuck you this is it you're going for 13 hours you know that person is gonna have a terrible time the whole time oh god i don't think i've ever sat next to anyone who got sick on the plane i <clears throat> i did sit next to a guy who ordered one of those mini bottles of wine yeah to drink on the airplane and it was like merlot or something and it had turned and it was super bready and i was just like the whole ride like (laughs) and he had the little bottle of wine and he would pour out a little bit and then he would sip a little bit so it was just aerating in the little you know those plastic cups that are super wide mouth at the top and he's got like the vent going while he's reading a book Uh and it's just blowing the smell of bready cheap crappy wine yeah grape drink all over uh-huh. <laughs> like so gross grapey it smelled like table jam uh-huh. you know it was yeah. like undrinkable it should have been undrinkable oh my god it's so bad and that was the only time that i've ever been like i might throw up on this flight right that would do it for me i here's a funny story so our when i was younger our family didn't go on a lot of vacations to fun places yeah. <laughs> my friends families did my friend used to have my friend's family had a timeshare and they may be some of the only people i've ever successful who have i've seen successfully navigate having a timeshare like they had a schedule with their family they went every single year yeah. like it turned out not to be so bad for them but they would always bring presents back for people and they would rent a station wagon while they were down there and like me those kids in that family who i was friends yeah. with would always get sick in florida i don't know why i don't know what the deal is but everybody pukes in florida oh. and so <clears throat> yeah it's disney world is a you're staying in these really super cheap motels because the whole family goes and Disney is like really expensive to get into and you're eating like Hooters because it's the only thing open right. and everybody's getting car sick. So anyway, <clears throat> they were on their way back in a rental car to the airport. <clears throat> the car's back facing seat is full up with these bags of presents and for whatever reason they've already wrapped all of the presents and this was back when like 
airplanes had glorious amounts of room in them. Yeah. And like I saw one time, you can bring an entire mesh bag full of soccer balls and put them in the overhead bin. You right. Know? Like it's just inflated. like drag it on. We're, we'll find a spot for it. Don't worry about we'll, it. We'll find a spot for it. <laughs> yeah. You can just belt it into your seat with you. What do we care? Right. So they have these two bags of presents or one bag of presents. I, it's irrelevant. The number, there's a lot of presents inside of a large black plastic garbage bag to keep all of the presents safe because the presents have been wrapped in wrapping paper already. Yeah. And so this friend of mine is like, I'm going to be car sick. And they're like, no, you're not. And she's like, yep. They're like, we're returning the rental car in like five minutes. Like you can't puke in this car. And the only place to puke was in the trash bag. But the trash bag was full of the pre-wrapped presents that were going to be like hand delivered to people as soon as they got home. So the presents are covered in filth. They are puke coated time bombs. They're not going to rewrap all this shit at the airport. So they just tie the bag off and haul it on board with them. (laughs) Which is hilarious because there's no way you could get away with anything even remotely (laughs) like this today. It's like a biohazard. So they bring the fucking biohazard onto the airplane, Uh put it in the overhead bin where they're all sitting in the row and the flight attendants keep walking by like, I know I smell puke. Where is it? And they can't find it. And they successfully hid this and did not get caught for this. Like it went off with a hitch without a hitch yeah. but she proceeded after puking in the present in the present bag to fill up two barf bags on the airplane the barf bag that was assigned to the seat back in front of uh-huh. her and her younger sister's barf bag which her sister had turned into a puppet and then was very upset about <laughs> losing oh, I bet. not only are you losing it but you, in that way your older sister you just in my puked into your puppet oh puked into my puppet i hate you yeah yeah so, like, despair is someone puking into your puppet. Oh, God. Oh, gross. I mean, I don't even know, like, how that resolved. Like, I know that they got the presents home. They must have rewrapped, unpackaged and rewrapped everything when they got to their house because clearly they weren't going to send out, like, 20 puke packages to people yeah. or hand them right. out. Like, oh, my God. <clears throat> and, like, I remember, okay, so... Yeah, there was always puke with Florida. There was always like some stomach bug involved. Like every time, we, well, we went every time we went. We went two whole times. Um, I puked like crazy in Florida. Just I'd, I'd like to just point out at this moment that um, we started out with the idea of like we're going to talk about we're, we're going to kind of hopefully humorously discuss points of despair, and we pretty quickly wound up talking about puke. <laughs> Um, I do, I do appreciate that we got to both the zeitgeist of, you know, current problems with racism in America and especially the police, you know, just the atrocities of human rights violations going on there. Um, and we, you know, obviously didn't do that justice, but anyway, get on with the puke. The uh, more puke, huh? Um, (laughs) have we, (laughs) I mean, we, like, I think we've pretty much talked about most of your major puke stories on this podcast at this point. Probably. I mean, there's got to be like 600 that we haven't thought of to share. Oh, absolutely. So when I was younger, my brother, the now slightly less risk tolerant brother, um, he... So uh, the way that I always framed it as a kid was I was the one who had the intellectual superiority on my side. And he had brute violence on his side, uh-huh. right? And 
that was okay when I also had size on my side. And so I was bigger and smarter. And so it didn't matter how violent he was. I could either escape or outwit or avoid or just withstand whatever he dished out. Right. At some point that was no longer the case. And one of his favorite things to do would be to pin me down somewhere around my shoulders and lean over me and like dangle a like snot over my face and then like suck it back up before Uh it it touched Uh me and i can't it's a trigger for me to puke like if i hear that like snotty i'm gonna snort my snot down in my throat sound i just start to get like i'm getting water brash just describing it to you um like i want to vomit right now and so my brother would do this to torture me and like when he was big enough to hold me down there was nothing i could do about it and just the accompanying despair like excruciating fits of laughter and also just like being so grossed out at the same time and so he would do it on you know if he didn't even get to the point of holding me down and doing it over my face all he would have to do is make the sound and he would say to people like in a crowd he would do it like very suddenly like hey does everyone everyone want to see meg puke check this out and he would make the noise and then it would happen Uh, like so it was a part he turned it into like a parlor uh trick because I can't help it. That's kind of cruel. Um, <laughs> so, like, I have carried around a form of despair in that at any point, if I'm out somewhere and somebody does that in public, I'm susceptible and liable to just, like, vomit into the nearest trash can. <laughs> I... I some people want to know where the exits are. I'm like, where is there something I can puke inconspicuously into in case in somebody case, has yes. to clear their in throat the around very me? Likely, in the very likely uh, situation that I will need to shortly. It's inevitable. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I you're definitely a champion puker because I, I haven't even known you that long. And I think um, you've... Like, I don't know how many times you've puked in my presence. Like, just innumerable amount of times yeah there's a lot i find upsetting yes, right. <laughs> exactly. i have such a delicate constitution uh-huh. uh, i mean what was it like two-thirds of a pumpkin pie and maybe uh-huh. two quarts <laughs> yes. uh, like a quart of whipped cream yes. at thanksgiving yeah. I mean, that was excruciating because i just had to hold it in for two and a half hours and then it oh my god when it came out there was so much of it and it hurt so oh, bad I bet. oh that's no fun. oh god i was just destroyed and then i ate all those cookies uh-huh. and i was in like a coma for a day <laughs> a couple days yep. what day is it yeah how long has it not been thanksgiving that since? was so funny because i was like wow you are really quiet right now what is going on with you and then i realized it's like mike did you eat all those cookies yeah mm-hmm. all of them yeah. like you just i'd made so many there there was a pile yep. what you see left of the pile is what is not what i ate exactly. yes. <laughs> right. i was like wow okay oh. i do not know how many number <laughs> At some point, it was just sort of automatic. Yep. <laughs> it's the problem was that it was made with cocoa that was way too high in quality, and I just were couldn't help very myself. Tasty. So it's really funny. I was thinking about how um, like despair has a lot to do. You know, consider the context, yeah. right? Like, if you um, you and I were talking about how I have um, like substance abuse problems with. 
ice cream yes, uh-huh. and gummy bears right. where once I st- it's like fine if it's not around I'm not eating it every day I'm not like oh my god but if I get some ice cream I need to eat it with a miniature spoon or I will go through it so fast that there's no more ice cream left after it even before it even starts to melt it's gone right um and then like 900 calories later <laughs> I'm having a diabetic fit in my living room even though I don't have diabetes right so same thing with gummy bears. I eat them so fast that like I don't really get full. And by the time I'm full or by the time I'm, my body's like, hey, that's a lot of sugar. I just kind of like chomp them and suck on them a little and swallow them whole. And they get melted by my stomach acid into this giant glob of rainbow sugar. And it just comes out as an enormous ball. Oh. <laughs> because I can't, I, can't I do not have any... Yeah, there's no cutoff. Uh-huh. I'm just like how what the cutoff for me is when your hand, your sticky hand hits the bottom of the empty bag, and you're like, oh my god, I just ate like five pounds of gummy bears. So this is going to be really bad. For I have, me. Um, I have, I think I don't know if I eat them quite at the level that you do of veracity, but I do have a problem with like gummy bears are pretty much like that. Like I'll eat them pretty quickly, and oh. I made the mistake of um, I bought. So they have uh, Trader Joe's has like the children's multivitamins that are basically gummy bears. Um, and so I, I yes. made the mistake of buying that thinking, oh, this will be easy. I'll remember it because it's not about like <laughs> it, I don't have a problem taking a multivitamin. My problem is just remembering to do it. And I thought maybe this will be more yeah. uh, fun enough that I'll remember to do it. And so I have so far survived and done okay with so the the normal dose is two of them a day right which is an impossibly small number of gummy bears when you're standing there and i'm like okay take two and i'll have like i'll eat the two right right in the morning and then i'll be really careful but i think on one day i think i ate 10 one time and um which is like it's uh, i'm i'm sometimes i'm amazed i just didn't like absent-mindedly like eat the whole bottle but um because it has like the childproof cap on it and stuff i've it it stops me long enough to like not totally lose my shit. But I think I ate 10 one day and I was, it was the end of the day and I was like, man, I'm just like, I feel weird. Like what's going on with me? And I like the, my pee was just like bright colors. And, um, yeah, anyway, I can relate to the, Uh. yeah. So I did survive, but it was definitely, (laughs) um, multivitamins sometimes like give you a weird amount of energy. Um, yeah, probably from all the, B vitamins, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, it was um it was an interesting experience, but I was just thinking of the gummy bears and that being an issue. So So you know about the ass fire gummy bears, right? Uh-huh. Um so there's gummy bears that are sugar free. Yeah. And <laughs> I can't believe you don't know about this. We may, what time is it? We may have to like end this and like have a podcast devoted. <laughs> okay. Just to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing so much joy that you don't know what lies in wait for you. when I reveal it to you. I'm very excited to get your response. Oh my God. Okay. Should, uh, should we forge ahead or should we, let's just forge yeah, ahead. Yeah, let's, let's just forge going. ahead. It's fine. Okay. So, I mean, that's <clears> a terrible <throat> thing to do to the listeners to just be like, Oh my God, I have to tell you this story. Okay. End of this podcast. And then they have to wait another week or if we schedule it weird, that's like two weeks. Right. They're like, when do we ever get to hear that story? 
Yes. Okay. So, so ask fire gummy bears. I'm ready. There's, there's actually two stories at work uh-huh. here. Um, the overarching <clears throat> story is one about a subculture on Amazon.com, yeah. of which I am a, an observer, not a participant thus far, an appreciator, but I haven't, I haven't actually contributed anything to this subculture okay. yet myself. So, I like reviewing products and. Um, I reviewed enough products and enough people found my reviews helpful enough that I have an Amazon reviewer ranking in the top like 15 to 20,000 of people on Amazon, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you basically do nothing, you're somewhere in like the hundreds of thousands of Amazon reviewer ranking. And so it became this sort of like weird thing where I would check like, what's my Amazon reviewer ranking? Not because I care and I'm not trying to improve it. I'm just sort of, weirdly fascinated by it and um one of the things that i came across was um people who have turned you know leaving amazon reviews into essentially an art form and so there's a subculture of people who express this art form through leaving these witty reviews for things okay so that's the first part of this because of these witty subculture, there's like a lot of crossover. And once you delve into it, you start finding weird, like the, the, the items on Amazon that end up with these bizarre, super in-depth, very well-crafted reviews uh-huh. um, are like, they're like literary reviews. And some of them are very poetic. And some of them have like a storytelling element to them. Like, it's just insane what people come up with. And so you kind of get to know the really famous ones and you get into the rotation and there are some that are like outstandingly good. Like there's, um, Tuscan whole milk is one. If you look it up on Amazon, Tuscan whole milk, 128 ounces. Uh (laughs) The reviews that people leave about this milk are insane. Um, there's also sugar free gummy bears, a five pound bag of them. And the subculture that spawned these like, crazy reviews um encapsulates or encompasses these sugar-free assorted fruit gummy bear reviews um but the thing that makes this particular set of reviews special is that these sugar-free assorted fruit gummy bears by albanese confectionery five pounds Uh 288 ratings five and four and a half stars include uh they have an ingredient called maltitol syrup and maltitol is a sweetener that um, in very small doses is very sweet and it tastes just like sugar, but it doesn't have the same effect on your insulin and glucose levels that sucrose or dextrose or fructose or any of those other simple sugars do. And so when you make these gummy bears out of it, they're safe for people who are diabetic. Uh-huh. But the serving size for these sugar-free gummy bears uh-huh. is only eight pieces. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's it. Okay. <clears throat> I'm the sort of person yeah. who can eat a five pound bag of gummy bears. Yes. It'll take me a day or two, but, but like I can do it in a single go. Yeah. Like I can just start and not stop and eventually the bag will be gone. So for me, the concept of eating eight pieces is like, well, what, 
you mean just while you're breathing in before you take the first handful and shove them into your mouth? <laughs> right. Like where eight what? Eight you're talking about eight handfuls or eight gummy bears? Like it just doesn't make any sense. Nobody eats just eight gummy bears, right? Well, no, nobody does eat just eight gummy bears. And if you make the mistake of eating more than eight gummy bears, or if you're a small person with a low tolerance for maltitol, uh-huh. it could be even fewer than that. What will happen is that your the reason it doesn't fuck up your blood sugar is that your body just passes it straight through. Oh, okay. And so if you eat a bunch of it, if you eat a volume of maltitol, uh-huh. a volume of maltitol will come out of your asshole at high speed. And it's extremely irritating to your large intestine and endothelial cells in the lining in your gut. Uh-huh. And so you basically develop colitis. Like you shit fire oh, as it comes out of you because it's really, really bad and super inflammatory to your intestines uh-huh. in large doses. In doses larger than eight gummy bears at a time, right. which is like two teaspoons of gummy bears. Right. So a lot of people, there was a crossover that happened. There's a crossover of concerned citizens who made the mistake of, like, for example, this guy sat down and ate a bunch of them and was like, you know, I had the warning signs where like your stomach starts roiling and there's all sorts of horrifying noises coming out of uh-huh. it. And it feels like the alien chest burster is going to come poking out soon. And like you run to the bathroom <laughs> One guy said, like, he was like, I shit so hard, both of my legs just kicked out straight in front of me with my toes pointed at the ceiling. Um, and, like, there's a bunch of other people, like, some people sent them to school for their kindergarten's oh, no. Halloween class, and they had, like, they described, like, six-year-olds shitting so much diarrhea that it's inside their costumes going in their socks and shoes oh, running down their legs. Like... And, like, you don't know if these things actually happened or not. Some of them... So, there's, like, the, you know, the, like, public service announcement. People should know if you eat too many of these, you are going to have to leave your board meeting in the middle in a conspicuous moment. Or, like, whatever, right? Like, just be forewarned. And then there were... And that community collided with the community of, like... Uh, obtuse risk takers like well don't eat more than eight what happens if i eat like 300 and they do it on purpose like i knew what i was getting myself into and i thought it was a joke and that there was no way that this many people had actually shit their pants but it turns out (laughs) and then that community overlapped with the community of people who are like i'm gonna write all about this and it's gonna be amazing and then they like craft these super long like um, narrative tales of the experience of having your ass turn into a volcano for several hours, uh-huh. like pouring sweat and calling for your mother. Oh. <laughs> just, um, like this one, I'm just scrolling past. I just noticed out of the corner of my eye in all caps, do not let your guard down with these things. <laughs> Stick to maybe two at a time. You have been warned. <laughs> eat cautiously all of the rumors are true i thought most of the funny reviews are fake they're not (laughs) irregardless spelling Uh i was cautious when eating i restricted myself to 10 gummies oh god oh so intestinal bacteria cannot metabolize mannitol and it lingers in the intestines um so in the second day of eating 10 
enough had built up in my intestines to create a massive health problem. What is massive? Eight hours of intestinal violence, agony, and even though I quickly emptied my digestive contents, my innards writhed in exquisite pain trying to expunge the very last molecule of mannitol. It was as bad as salmonella poisoning. I don't know why these are legal to sell. Oh, my God. My research revealed that if you eat a very small amount over a week, eventually you'll get a new strain of bacteria that can metabolize mannitol. And that's what I'm aiming for. So far, five day, five per day is working. Like, now there are people who claim that they're, like, trying to build up resilience <laughs> to eating mannitol just so they can get through these sugar-free covers. <laughs> Works as advertised. The gastrointestinal hell that these cause is truly biblical in proportions. That is hilarious. How is this? So that's a, yeah, overlapping despair. I mean, like, how funny is that? Uh, uh, Oh, my God. I ran to the front front room, half covered in sweat. I pulled down my pants as it began. (laughs) This one is awesome. Like, this one is just some guy. Uh Very good, exclamation point. Great taste, period. I am a diabetic and I am used to the alcohol sugars. Just do not overconsume. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole review. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wish I could find like I wasn't prepared for this, you know, yeah. like I didn't realize our conversation was going to go here. But um <laughs> I wish I could find the one that was about the the children's Halloween party. <laughs> it was just it was absolutely brilliant. Anyway, um, these things make me sick as a dog. Should warn people of the problem with the stomach when you eat a few of these. (sighs) Oh, God. Got sick eating these. Do not buy. I would give negative stars if I could. (laughs) Ever hear of anal leakage? You will if you eat more than 10 individual bears within an hour. Like it's it's funny to me too that it's like people's thresholds are different. So you can eat up to a threshold, but once you cross it, like all hell breaks loose. Like that poor person on the second uh-huh. day. So yeah, there's I can't remember all of the super good ones that I used to read, but I mean, at some point, I what do you, what else are you going to do when you're forced to sit in an office for forty hours to do twenty hours of work a week? Right. You're going to look up shit like gummy bears on the internet. And so there was this. There was the Tuscan whole milk. There's I mean, there are some that like the 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 postings, the um, reviews have literally nothing to do with the actual product design or function uh-huh. or utility or anything. It's just like space to publish stuff. Um, yeah, I just i I think it's very funny when you stumble onto like an intact subculture that has clear intentions and motives and. Um, uh, disciplines yes know? yeah and it's it's an amazon review <laughs> who knew, who knew? Mm-hmm. watch out for those gummy bears i mean if you are a terrible person you can probably poison people with these super easily because no one will see it coming right. and, uh, who would even think like if i had a tiny little to-go package you know like when they hand out those little haribo yeah. packages for individually wrapped halloween candy that's maybe like eight or ten of them yeah. right if i got the sugar-free ones in a package of eight or ten and i ate them and sometime within the next 24 to 48 hours was shitting fire i would almost 
guarantee you it would not occur to me that it was those stupid gummy bears. Right. Yeah. How would you know? You could get away with this so easily. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But despair. Fuck despair. (laughs) Have some, have some butt despair. Have some, (laughs) have some duodenal despair. Oh, jeez. How you like me now? (laughs) How's that for biology? Watch out for your duodenum. (laughs) (laughs) It's your tiny bowel. Uh, All right. I feel like that's a that's a reasonable place to end it. What do you think? This may have been our most erratic podcast. I think so, too. I think we kind of just. Yeah, I don't even know where we went (laughs) with this particular one. If anybody listening can't tell already, I'm a little all over the place right now. <laughs> not not sure where to put my thoughts and feelings. Right. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Are we calling it? Yeah. Right. Let's okay, call it. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Okay, bye. Wash your hands. Bye. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Be good to people. Yeah. Do what you got to go, do. Go support some know. black authors or some you know black local groups or... Organizations that reinvest in the communities that they work in and like uh i should you know i should find a list and we should post it in the i'll just post it in the description i'll post links in the description yep Yep. okay all right bye excellent okay oh wait do you have a tip do you have a tip for living well in hell oh man i feel like there's a good one here well we just talked about mutual aid which is like super thing so um yeah, I guess uh man, I guess I think I should say like the idea of the people in charge, like sometimes you just got to be the people in charge, yeah. right? It's you. Right. You are the people, you are the you are the ones when shit happens, you are going to be standing there and you're going to be the ones who can do something about it. And if you are given the opportunity or if the opportunity arises for you to do a thing and and make a principled stand on something and help out in some way you should do that. Um, and oftentimes that includes like giving somebody else the space to do the things that they need to do and making sure nobody interferes with them when they do that. Um, so like maybe my tip for living well in hell is like know when to do something and know when to hold space for somebody else to do their thing. There we go. How's that? That's that's great. It's awesome. Love it. All right. Thanks everybody. Help out by not, making it your thing (laughs) okay okay bye